What's up guys and welcome back to the Progressive Fit Podcast. I'm your host Luke Lamont and on today's episode I'm going to show you and talk to you about the diet that I done back in 2018 which was the most simple fat loss diet I have ever done and I'm going to talk about it so that you can create your own. Okay, so I'm going to talk about all the different things. I'm going to talk first off about what went wrong, if you like, during the 12 weeks in terms of my life. So, so many people can't start a diet now because it's not the right time because this, that and whatever is happening or going to happen. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about things that happened within the 12 weeks that I managed to continue on with alongside my dieting, Okay. Then we're going to talk about the training and what I implemented, what sort of things I've done, um, any changes that were made, etc. Then I'm going to move on to the nutrition aspect of the diet, which um, was fairly simple, to be honest with you, as was most of the diet. It was a simple 12-week diet. Um, then I'll talk about any supplements that I had um, before going on to what would I do differently next time around. And there are a couple of things I would do differently. But overall, I achieved what I set out to achieve. So some could argue to say, well, do you need to change anything? But yes, I always think you can improve on things. Um, And then the last thing I will talk about is how you can set up your own simple 12-week fat loss diet. Any further questions from this, don't hesitate to get in touch. And last but not least, enjoy the episode. So here's the other aspects of the diet then. So the first day that I started the diet was... April 2nd, which if I recall correctly, was a bank holiday Monday. Now, weirdly, I remember posting about me starting the diet on that day. And I can, it was just after Easter and I consumed that day, I'm pretty sure, a full pizza, pepperoni pizza, shop bought. So a little bit less calories than what it would have been if it was from a takeaway or something like that. So a shop bought pizza in the evening and 100 grams of of chocolate. I think it was like a lint bunny or something like that. That was day one. That's how I set it off, okay? So the last day was June 24th. Um, The day before the diet ended, I went out for a Chinese as it was my granddad's 80th birthday. So I went out and I had a Chinese and I didn't hold back. Um, Despite the diet ending the next day, I thought, what, what one night, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm still human. I still want to include the things like a Chinese, like pizza, like chocolate into the diet. And that's how the 12 weeks went. I included things that I liked. But we'll talk about more about the nutrition aspect later. Um, Within the 12 weeks, I broke my toe. If I recall correctly, I kicked the sofa playing football in the house with my son. I sprained my ankle. Can't remember quite how I done that. I fractured the bottom side of my foot. Um, again, I can't remember how I done that. Um, I was ill for a week and therefore didn't train. Um, both of my kids had had chicken pox within that 12 weeks and sleep was terrible as Zaya, my daughter, who would have been, she was born in 2017 in August. So she was just nearly turning one. She would have been one in the following August. I started this in April. Her sleep was absolutely shocking. She's not a sleeper. So Every night I was getting very little sleep and then all the other things happened as well. So despite all that, I still achieved what I set out to achieve. That is the point. So, so many things you could say went wrong or went against me 
in terms of the toe, the ankle, the fracture, being ill, chicken pox, and then the lack of sleep. Like, not all lights are on green to say, right, let's go. I had to go at times there were red lights and I had to wait and go through afterwards, right? Does that make sense? So, so many people wait for all the lights to go green before they start. I just started and I came up to whatever problem was there and I worked around it. And that's exactly what I've done, okay? So the point is that there's never gonna be a right time to diet or there might be a right time, but you're never gonna get a right set of consecutive days, weeks, months. That That is the point. What, what are we on today? So it could be that Monday the 10th, I'm filming this on the 9th of August. So Monday the 10th of August could be the most perfect day in the world for you to start dieting. Yet the following Monday could be the worst day in the world for you to be dieting. However, you can't not stop because of that one day, right? You've got to push through. You've got to get there because you've got to tackle whatever problem's going to come up because otherwise you're going to be putting off, putting off, putting off. And within that putting off, you're going to be gaining and gaining and gaining and you're getting yourself further, further back. So you've got more to do. A bigger hurdle, a bigger challenge, which you'll be putting off and off and off, right? It's a, it's a vicious cycle. So we've got to break it somewhere and we've just got to crack on. Now, what you do is entirely up to you. So you might be somebody that goes, do you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to go hard. And you can go hard. Some people can do that. Some people need that life-changing moment where they go, do you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm changing. And they go drastic and they can manage drastic. Some people can't do that. Some people need to go, this is hard. I want to change, but I've got to do it slowly. I've got to implement things a little bit different than what people who go hard do because that isn't going to work for me. I'm not an all or nothing. So you've got to take it a little bit slower and that's absolutely fine. Everyone's got their own way of doing things, okay? But the wholehearted point of this is that if you need to lose or if you really want to lose, stop waiting for all the lights to be on green so you can go. Just go. And if you come up to a red light, then you deal with the red light when it comes. So now we're going to touch upon the training aspect of the 12 weeks. So I was only doing three days of weight training per week. Now, as I said earlier, I was ill for a week, so I missed three sessions within the 12 weeks. They weren't easy sessions, but they weren't the toughest sessions. I pushed myself, I challenged myself because that's what it's going to require, okay? You can't just be in your comfort zone, taking it easy. You have got to get a little bit out of your comfort zone and push yourself. So my three days of weight training within the gym consisted of two upper body days and one lower body day. So the upper body days were supersets. So I'd done six, five, four exercises, four main exercises, superset with another four main exercises. Just to give you an example, I will do a bench press superset with a row. So I was working the opposites when it came to working the, the upper body. So I'd work chest with back and I'd work shoulders with the side of my back, my lats, okay? So that's how I'd do it, I'd superset it that way. So I was gonna do a vertical push, I'd do a vertical pull. If I was gonna do a horizontal push, I'd do a horizontal pull. So I'd do one exercise into the other, and then I'd take a 60 to a 60 second to a two minute rest, 120 second rest. So it was around about 90 second average, okay? Lower body days were just one exercise. There were no supersets involved because it wasn't, it's not as easy to superset leg exercises within the gym that I was training. Um, also, if you're going to superset 
things like squats or deadlifts, then the chances are you're going to be ruined before you get to finish your session because the big, big movements. So I found it much better to just crack on and do each exercise, each set, just one at a time when it came to legs. But upper body, I was more than happy to superset. A squat, for example, working the lower body, it is quad dominant, so it does work mainly the front of your thighs, but it also works your glutes, which is your bum, and your hamstrings. So if I was to superset that quad dominant exercise with a uh, remaining deadlift, my lower back's going to be very sore, most likely. Um, but not only that, I'm working the hamstrings and the glutes in both movements, so they're not really getting that much of a rest. Now, what you could argue is, why don't you go do a leg curl of your squats? I can't. The squat gym was literally, the squat, uh, the, the squat rack and the leg curl are on the opposite sides of the gym. So I couldn't do one and then march across to the gym to the other, because by the time I got back to the other one, it would have gone. So it wasn't doable. It might be doable in your gym. So if so, it may be something that you want to try. However, it wasn't doable in mine, so I didn't do it. So the exercises that are done were mainly compound movements. Okay, so a compound movement is a movement that works across more than one joint. So as an example, if you're sat in a seat and you do a leg extension, which is basically straightening your leg and then lowering it back down. That's only working across the knee joint versus a squat, which is working the knee joint, the hip joint and the ankle joint. So you're working three joints. Another way of looking at it is a compound movement where it puts a lot more pressure on more muscles versus a non-compound movement, which is called an isolation movement, which generally works one, one muscle. So the leg extension mainly just works the quads, whereas the squat, as I said earlier, works the quads, the glutes, the hamstrings, the core, uh, your spinae. So there's so many muscles involved. So that's how I based my program. Because I was only doing three sessions per week, I was able to put in a lot of compound movements. Now, if I upped the amount of sessions that I was doing, I probably have to, have to tweak it slightly and then have to put more accessory movements in, more isolation movements in just so that I didn't ruin my central nervous system. So the compound movements, if you keep hearing pings, it's because I'm getting texts through my Mac. I don't know how to turn it off, um, but we'll crack on. So I changed the compound movements every three to four weeks. Now this wasn't an important part of any f the diet. This is purely because I get bored. I get very bored very quickly. So I like to keep things changing now there is a downside to check downside to changing every three to four weeks it is that you can't fully maximize each movement so you want to progress as much as you can on each movement and three to four weeks might just take you getting used to that movement and then the next three to four weeks or even six eight weeks you then see the progress now i was getting to three to four weeks and i was getting very bored so i was having to change it now that's okay as long as you're working hard on those movements. The only thing I would say is that on a dieting phase, if you're looking to drop fat, then changing every three to four weeks is better than changing every three to four weeks when you're trying to go through a, a strength gaining phase or a muscle building phase because that's when you really want to focus on progressing those movements. Cardio aspect now then. So cardio was just purely power walks. That's 
all I will do because I won't do any other cardio because I don't enjoy it. So I don't power walks three times per week, which were three miles, simple. So they would take me around about 50 minutes just because of where I lived. It was quite hilly and there's some some horrendous hills. Um, so they take about 50, 55 minutes and it was just in the countryside. I just put on a podcast and I'd just go walking. I would try and walk at a pace. At times I was pushing a buggy. At other times I would walk halfway and there was a cafe midway. I'd have a coffee if I was with Ellie, my girlfriend and my daughter, we'd have a coffee and then we'd power walk back. Not an issue that I stopped halfway to have a coffee because I still got the whole thing that I needed, right? I've also made a note here that I did run three times per week within the 12 weeks. No, that's a lie. I made a note that I ran three times throughout the 12 weeks. I don't know why. If I recall correctly, it's because I listened to a podcast about a guy who was running an ultra endurance marathon, which is like a 24-hour race or something like that. And I was listening to his podcast and I was like, this guy's saying about how he's doing stuff that he doesn't want to do, but he's going to do it to challenge him. And I think on the back of that, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to run. Hated it. Still hate it today. And I run two, three times per year, max. So the running aspect of that diet was not important. It didn't make that much of a difference because I ran three times within the 12 weeks. The main part of the training, the main part of that diet that was important in the training aspect was the fact that I was consistent with doing three days in the gym, followed by three days of walking. All right. So my training days in the gym were Monday, Thursday, that's when I do my upper body, and I do my lower body on a Wednesday. My walking days then were Tuesday, Friday, and one day on the weekend. So then I generally had one day off per week, which... I would still try and be quite active anyway because I've got two kids. So it'd be things like going to the park, playing football with my son in the garden or in the park, uh, pushing my daughter on the swings, etc. Stuff like that. So I wasn't lay on the sofa. I was still active. So the consistency of the training, three weights per week, three walks per week is what the key part of that was. Okay, so now we've got the nutrition part of it. And I think this is going to be the most important part for the people that are listening to this or if you're listening to this, because most people I see in the gym train really hard. They're very consistent with going to the gym. The thing that trips them up on their fat loss journey is nutrition. And there's a few different things why I think this happens. Um, obviously, it's down to the individual, but I think arrogance is plays a part. So a lot, a lot of people think that they can go harder and be more restrictive than what they actually can because they think they're a professional dieter. When you listen in a minute, I was in that category. Just wait for it. Um, I think that's a reason why. I think environment plays a big part. So people don't eliminate things in their environment to help support them. So, for example, they might keep biscuits and chocolate in the cupboard, knowing that that's going to trip them up. So instead of getting rid of them or having not having them in the cupboard, They'll think that they can buy them and keep them in the cupboard and they'll be okay. But turns out two days later, they're scoffing the whole lot. Um, so that's just a couple of reasons why I think diet trips people up. So they cut too many calories, try and go too hard to be restrictive. 
or they don't have their environment support what their goals are. So my calories at the start of a diet were 2,500 calories, which sounds quite high, right? Considering I was only doing three gym sessions, three walks, that is actually quite high. And I was around about 12 stone 11 when I started, if I recall. I have a 12 stone 11 or 12 stone 7, I can't quite remember. But my 2,000 calorie, 2,500 calorie target stuck for six weeks and I was making good progress. The weight was coming down, but I was also dropping fat and I was getting leaner looking in the mirror, which is the key one. At week seven, despite everything going well and pushing towards my goals, I thought, let's let's take things up a notch here. And I decided to drop to 2000 calories. So as I said before, that arrogance of, oh yeah, I can go hard. I can, I'm you know, better than this, I can do more. This ruined me. I'm not going to lie, it ruined me. That 500 calorie cut was a big hit. And four days later, I returned back up to 2,500 calories because I couldn't do it. It was after the Thursday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then that Thursday killed me because I'm in work around about 12 to 14 hours that day. And I remember I was just like, I can't do 2,000 calories because this is nowhere near enough. So I went back up to 2,500 calories and guess what? I continued to make progress on those 2,500 calories. So you're probably wondering why the hell did you cut? Because I'm human. I thought, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing well at this. I can go harder. Let's push that a little bit more. But the key here is that instead of going down to 2,500, I go, oh my God, this is hard. I'm suffering. And then blowing the diet out the water, I was self-aware enough to go, right, I just need to go back up to where I was, where I was comfortable, where I was making progress, but I was able to manage it and go back to 2,500 calories rather than going, ah, and then blowing it and then just throwing it out the window. That's a key. Staying cool, staying calm in a situation that isn't nice, okay? That's potentially where my experience in the fitness industry came in and helped me, okay? That's potentially where you could have a coach to help you in those moments. That's why the benefits of having a coach are there like in those sort of moments okay so i returned four days later back up to 2500 calories and i mean i remained there until week nine at week nine i decided to calorie cycle so calorie cycle or you may have heard the term carb cycle carb cycling is where you cycle how many carbs or calories you have so i was just to be clear i was calorie cycling I wasn't counting how many carbs and how many fats I had. I counted how much protein I had, but I didn't count carbs and fats. As long as I hit my calorie target and my protein target, that was a win for me, ticked off. So calorie cycling is where you have different amounts of calories each day. It's not that confusing. So on my training days, there were higher calories. On my non-training days, on the days that I didn't do weights, they were lower. So on my training days, I went to 2,300 calories because if you remember, it was that Thursday that ruined me going down to 2,000. So I wanted to keep that because it's a training day on a Thursday as well as a Wednesday and a Monday. I wanted to keep those days higher so that I could train well. On the non-training days, I lowered my calories to two, I lowered my calories to 2,000, okay? So 
it's much easier for me to eat less on a non-training day because my appetite isn't as high for starters but also I would train when I'm in work. So I work Monday to Thursday in the gym. Tuesday is just from like 5 p.m. onwards. So I was at home and, and then when I'm at home, I'm able to then put off breakfast to later. So it helps me out basically. I'm able to save calories and have them towards the back end of the day, which is when I prefer my calories. So that's why I could eat the 2000 on non-training days. My macros I've written down here. I didn't have any macros. So macronutrients, protein, fats, carbs. The only thing I looked at was protein, which was around about 150 to 170 grams. No, 150 to 180 grams per day. So I was looking at one pound of body weight meant I'd have one gram of protein. So it, it equated to around about 150 to 180 throughout the 12 weeks. So... The next thing is the high calorie foods and meals out. So I still had them. I still ate things like waffles, donuts, chocolate, cakes, burgers, pizzas. Um, I think I had Chinese takeaway a couple of times as well. And I did say that I had one the day before the diet ended. But I included all these things in to my diet, into my calories. Maybe not after week nine because it was much more difficult to have a pizza or a burger or Chinese within the 2,000 calories because I would have had it on a on a weekend, which is a non-training day at that point, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'd have had a pizza, burger, Chinese. That would have been earlier on in my diet within the first probably six weeks. As the diet went on, I did get a little bit more restrictive in terms of having that, but I still include things like chocolate and cake. Okay, because they're my favorite foods and I don't want to get rid of them forever. Yours might be alcohol. It might be crisps. It might be more savory pastries and things like that. Still include them if you can, okay? Just try and work your day around it, work your calories around it. Put it in first and then create out from there rather than putting all your food in and then going, oh, I haven't got any enough for this. Fuck it, I'll have it anyway. Take that away. Put it in first, plan for it, and then build around it. That's the easiest way to stay on track with your nutrition. As I say, after week nine, I thought, I've only got three weeks left. Let's take it up a notch. So I was happy to not have a pizza, a burger, and I knew the Chinese was like near the end because this um, family meal had been planned for a while. So I knew that was in, um, in the distance, if you like. So it was something to work for. And if you think about it, three, four weeks without a pizza, burger, Chinese, or something like that, is that the end of the world? No, it's not. I'll answer that before you think about it. Because... It's only like having one once a month then, right? So you might be able to fit them in to your calories throughout your 12 weeks. I couldn't, so I didn't. I just include lower calorie, my my favorite foods that were lower calorie, chocolate, cake, stuff like that, okay? So still include your favorite foods and track on with your nutrition. Now then, the bit that a lot of people might have been waiting for, the magic bit, the supplements. So what supplements did I take to achieve one stone loss in 12 weeks by just training three times per week and doing three walks per week. Protein shakes and protein bars. The only two supplements that I took and I took them to supplement my protein target. That's it. I didn't take anything else. I wasn't even taking creatine because I don't like it. Um, protein shakes... I started having those either post-workout, so after training, um, to go with some cereal. 
or I'd have them in the morning uh, for breakfast, again, to go with cereal. The reason why I'd have them is because if I wasn't having eggs, which would be a protein source with toast, I would have cereal with a protein shake, and the protein shake would be my protein source for that meal. That's purely why I had protein shakes, or do have protein shakes. Not because of the magic, or because it's 50 grams of protein, or 40 grams of protein in one go, or whatever. I have them purely to help me hit my protein target each day. Protein bars, again, just to help me hit my protein target each day. I've moved on a lot since then, um, and I don't really consume protein bars anymore. But then I was having one or two um, bars at times per day. Um, not every day, but I was having them quite regularly. I barely have them at all now. Um, why I don't have them now is because I'd rather eat proper food. So oh, 250 calorie protein bar. I'd much rather have a two, 200 calorie chocolate bar and then um, a, bit, a bit of protein, a protein shake for 100 calories. All in all, I've got more protein, I've got a nicer chocolate bar, and I'm 50 calories more than what the protein bar would have been. In some cases, it would have been the same. So it just it just makes sense for me to do that. Also, I think protein bars, they're handy if you're on the go, but if you're at home or if you're able to source better food, I think that is better because it's more satiated and it'll keep you fuller for longer, and therefore help prevent cravings or stop cravings, help you manage cravings, and then that can help you with long-term progress. So protein shakes I'd advise just to help supplement the protein within your diet. Protein bars, I wouldn't advise protein bars if I'm all honest because you can't start having them every day. It's not that they become addictive, but you're getting a, a sort of chocolatey taste with some protein in a high calorie form, but you justify the high calories by, oh, it's protein. And it's not that much, it's around about what, 20 grams? 10 to 20 grams these days. So I personally say get a protein shake and get a chocolate bar and include it in your calories. So now we'll come to the conclusion of the podcast. And all we've got left is what would I do differently and how to set up your own diet. So Firstly, what would I do differently? Part, partially nothing because it was great at the time. It got me through to what I wanted and I got fairly lean. I got very lean off what I'd done, let's say. Um, and a lot of people talk about they want to lose so many stones in so many weeks and then are willing to do, well, say they're willing to do five, six days of training per week. So to be able to do three days of training per week and drop a stone within 12 weeks very easily, comfortably for the majority of it, including the foods that I did, like that was great. The only, in terms of what I would do different, I would take more progress pictures along the way. I don't think I took enough. Um, hence why I had that little wobble, let's say, well not a wobble, but hence why I thought I could push harder at one point. Maybe if I took more progress pictures, I'll analyse my progress pictures a little bit more and I made it maybe a different decision. But hey, it was good to be able to make the decision to try and go harder because I realised, oh, actually, that was a stupid thing to do. 
So that was great. And now I can, that's helped me with working with other people. I've experienced that, that 500 deficit when you're not ready for that 500 deficit. Um, my meal planning could have been more efficient. So one of the things that tripped me up on that Thursday was I'd saved 500-ish calories for my evening meal, which I'd have had at 10 p.m. at night. So what I should have done was I probably should have had that meal when I was in work rather than wait until I got home to have that meal. So that means my 14-hour day would have been run off about 1,500 calories because I wanted that 500-calorie meal at night because I like to eat a nice meal of an evening time when I finish work. So for a dieting phase, I probably wouldn't do that again. I'd probably incorporate that meal earlier on in the day um, just so that I'm more energetic. I would include fewer protein bars. So I touched upon that last time. In fact, I probably wouldn't have, have any protein bars this time around. And to combine that with my meal plan and being more efficient, what I tend to do now when I have um, go through a dieting phase is I have four meals rather than three. I haven't three back then. I have four meals now, um, each one similar to one another, and it includes your carbs, your protein, and some sort of micronutrient, so either fruit after or um, vegetables and that helps me stay satiated and more energetic so take away the protein bars and just be have more meals basically so that's what I would do differently or that's what I have done differently since this diet those are the things I've worked on just by having a little bit more meals and being smarter with my meal choices and timings and booting the protein bars up so now given the all-important context I hope I've got you on board and on my side in terms of doing a 12 week, 12 week, 12 week fat loss diet, but not being too restrictive in terms of food and not trying to set too big of a target in terms of training. So how you can set your diet up then? We're going to stop your training. We're going to pick what days you're going to train. Okay, so how many training sessions you're doing, what days you're going to be doing them on, what times, and what you're doing. So you need that plan. You're not got, you don't need to say, right, I'm going to do four sessions per week. That's not enough. When are you doing your four sessions? Oh, um, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Cool, get that in the diary. Don't change it. What time are you doing them? Oh, just whenever. No, not whenever you're free. Pick a time because you're more likely to stick to it. Pick a day, pick a time, and then that's set in, and it's more likely to become a habit, because if you know at 3 p.m., it's in your diary that you're going to train, then you're more likely to go and train, then oh, I'll do it whenever, right? So you put it off, put it off, put it off, and then it probably won't get done, okay? I've worked with a lot of people, and this is what happens when they do their own sessions. They say, I'll do it over the weekend, but we need to know when what day, what time. Then we need to know what. What are you going to do on what day at what time? So it's all well and good, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. But if you're not going in with a plan, then you're probably going to piss about and half arse on stuff, okay? Sounds harsh, but it's true. You probably just jump on a machine, do it until you get bored, go do another one, all right? What we need is we need a specific plan as to what you are doing in that gym at that time on that day, all right? 
So like I said earlier, I've done upper, lower, upper. If you're doing four days, it could be another lower session. It could be that you do one upper, one lower, two whole body, okay, whatever. The point is you need a plan as to what you are doing. Once we've got that, then we need to look at taking some pictures so that we can monitor our progress, okay? So you can take your weight as well, but I would say take pictures. And then you can do these pictures weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. It depends on you and how you react. So if you're somebody that is quick to react to little or no progress, then weekly isn't for you. If you're somebody that can take a step back and look more in depth at yourself with little emotion, then I would say maybe weekly will work for you. But if you're somebody that gets very emotional with the lack of progress or the slow progress because it's only been a week, then I wouldn't say weekly, maybe bi-weekly or monthly. So determine what type of person you are and then decide how often you're going to weigh, take measurements and do progress pictures. Then we want to look at picking our cardio. Probably should have said these the other way around, but then we're going to pick your cardio, okay? Are we going to do cardio? If so, what, when? Yeah, I said before, I've done three, three-mile walks, okay? So I had specific days, Tuesday, Friday, and then one day on the weekend. Now, you're probably saying, Luke, you said that you, we need a day. I have my son on Saturday one week. I have him on a Sunday the following week. So I would ha I do my walk. I will do my walk on the day that I haven't got my son. Okay, so one week Saturday, one week Sunday, or alternate. So we need to get that in a diary and stick to that. Okay, so we've sorted our training, we've sorted our cardio, we've sorted our pictures, weights, measurements, and how often we're doing it. Then is the is the bit where we stick to our calorie needs. I was gonna say the easy bit, but it's easy for some, not others. Then we just need to stick to our calories, okay? So we rinse and repeat how many calories we have each day until we stop making progress. Now we don't want to do what I done and jump too soon of going, oh, this is going really well. Let's ramp it up and make it harder. Try and be better than I was. Take it, be more patient, keep up with the consistency, rinse and repeat the basics, and then when you stop making progress, then you change something. And it doesn't have to be a drastic change. It just needs to be a little change. Like I did start of week nine, I made a little change by dropping my calories on training days by 200 calories, and then on non-training days, which I found easier to have more of a drop because of the way my lifestyle is. Your lifestyle might not be like mine, so it might not be as easy, so you might need to go a little bit higher. Um, or take a little bit less of a drop, okay? Once we've sorted our calorie needs, we need to stick to them each day. Then is the hard bit. We need to be patient. We need to be consistent. This isn't going to happen within a week. This isn't going to happen if you do it for a week and then stop. We need to be patient and look potentially in four weeks and go, right, let's assess everything. We need to be consistent up until that point. These are the two things that people struggle with the most, being patient and being consistent. So this is why it's important that we have a plan that we can adhere to, a plan that we can stick to, a plan that is built for us, not for someone else for us to jump onto because that might not be right for us. We need our own plan. And that's when consistency and patience become much easier to be able to do, okay? So that being said, I think you're ready to crack on with your own 12-week fat loss plan. 
Of course, if you need any help, any if you have any questions, you know where I am. Just get in touch and I'm more than happy to help. But please, if you're going to take anything away from this, be patient and be consistent. Without those two things, you're not going to get anywhere. And remember, make being progressive a habit.